grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, my brothers, my sisters in Christ. It's called grant fraud. Somebody wants to build an elementary school in an impoverished neighborhood or something. They draw up a bunch of grant proposals. They get a bunch of money from wealthy benefactors, wealthy donors. Months and months, maybe even a year or two go by. No construction plans, no nothing. The benefactors, the donors, they contact the group and they say, what's the deal? Are you going to start with what you said you were going to do, with the thing that we said we were going to help you do? And they say, oh, no, um, we spent that money already. We all got ourselves new cars. Grand fraud. It's a criminal offense. You can go to jail for it. But my question is, compare that situation to somebody who wants to do the same thing, build an elementary school in an impoverished neighborhood, maybe. They draw up the grant proposal, and they get the money, and then they just let it sit. They're basically given a blank check. Yeah, sure, do whatever you need. We're here to support you in your endeavor to build an elementary school. But the person never cashes the check, never does anything. Instead, they take the financial burden on themselves, and they go door to door asking far less wealthy people to contribute to the construction of this elementary school. Not nearly as criminal as grant fraud, granted, but perhaps it's even more stupid to let the money just sit there and to choose to go and do it on your own when all the support, all the help that you need is right there to refuse it, though. That's the kind of stupidity we see in King Ahaz in this lesson from Isaiah. And before you think I'm being too harsh against King Ahaz, consider the situation that he was in. He's the king of the southern kingdom of Judah. Israel has split already to the northern Israel and southern Judah. King Ahaz ruling over Judah, and he's under attack. He's under threat. There are people who are going to come and attack him. Who is it? It's their sister nation, Israel, is going to attack their brothers and sisters to the south. But on top of that, they have enlisted the help of the nation called Syria. So it's two against one. They're outnumbered and outgunned. This is a stressful situation for a king. It's a stressful situation if you live in Judah. But God is hot on the heels of this, this stress and this threat. He comes in and he says, don't worry. I will take care of you. I will protect you. This will not end in your death. You're going to be okay. In fact, he says to King Ahaz, if you're having trouble believing me, if you're having trouble putting your trust in me, go ahead, ask me for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or the highest heights. In other words, ask me for anything, King Ahaz, you name it, blank check. And what we wouldn't give to be in that situation, right? To hear God say, I know you're struggling, I know you're stressed out, ask me for whatever concrete sign you need to be reassured that I am with you and that it will all be okay. What we wouldn't give for that kind of blank check, right? We're not under attack. We're not going through a military war necessarily, but sometimes life kind of feels like war. You've got your stresses. You've got your anxieties. You've got your insecurities. You have your temptations. You have your guilt. 
Wouldn't it be nice if God came in offering you a concrete sign to let you know that he's with you, that it's going to be okay? King Ahaz gets that blank check, and he totally blows it. He says, I will not ask for a sign. I will not put the Lord my God to the test. And at first glance, this seems like such a a good answer, doesn't it? If you were in King Ahaz's court, maybe you heard him say this to the prophet, and you would say, oh, what a pious believer. What a strong faith he has. He trusts in God so much that he doesn't even need a sign to believe in him anymore. But that's not what's going on. Ahaz doesn't refuse a sign because he already trusts in God so much. Ahaz refuses a sign because he thinks he's already set. He thinks he has his situation figured out on his own terms. You see, Ahaz has had this plan. He's going to go get his own help. He's going to go make a treaty, an agreement with this other nation called Assyria. See, it gets confusing. Syria is the one attacking Judah. Assyria is the one that King Ahaz makes a deal with. And if you've been tracking with our sermons over the past couple of years, you might remember a thing or two about Assyria. They're not the good guys. They're not a good, friendly, fun nation to hang around. In fact, in just a few short generations, Assyria is going to launch an all-out attack against Judah very nation that's looking for their help right now in Ahaz's time. But he's not worried about that. He's not worried about a conflict that will happen generations after he's already passed away. King Ahaz is only worried about right now. And he's only worried about the problems that he has right now and solving them in a way that makes sense to him. The problem is, if you're working on your problems in a way that makes sense to you, and your solution does not include God, then it doesn't make sense at all. Because God is right there with this blank check. He's ready to serve Ahaz a five-course steak dinner, and Ahaz is saying, no, I'm good. I had some Doritos on my way over. Doritos do not satisfy. might make you feel full for a little bit, but they're not healthy. They're not going to last, just like any human solution to our deeper problems. So what I wouldn't give to be in Ahaz's situation to have that blank check from God, but can we be absolutely sure that we wouldn't respond in the same way? Because I'm thinking about all those times when I felt low self-esteem or insecure or something like that, and I look to people to make me feel like I matter or that like I have value. I look to social media to make me feel like I am someone of value, instead of my baptism. Or think of that time in your life when you really were stressed out because you lacked direction. And you did everything. You read the horoscope section of your newspaper. You read all these books. You looked at these blogs to figure out what the right next move is for you. Meanwhile, the Bible lies dusty on the shelf. The last time that we came up for communion... And our brains were so full of every other concern that we have that worrying about the need for our forgiveness of sins and the strengthening of our faith was probably number 15 or 20 on the list of things that we have to be worried about. Brothers and sisters, we haven't committed the same kind of unbelieving sin that King Ahaz did. 
you did not respond to the prophet face to face and say, no, I don't want what God gives me. But the propensity to do that, the ability to sink that low is well alive within each of our sinful natures. To ignore the good things God is serving up and instead to choose our own solutions, our own ideas, what makes sense to us. So Isaiah says to King Ahaz, fine. If you don't want a personal sign designed to give you confidence and comfort in Jesus and in God, God's still going to give a sign. It's just not going to say anything good about you. And the sign that God is going to give is a baby. What's the significance of a baby? I think it's fair to say babies are highly significant because of what they are. Young, new life, weak, fragile, but also because of what they represent. A lifetime of possibilities, a human being, new life, growth, development, all these exciting things on the horizon. In the verses beyond the section of scripture we looked at in Isaiah, Isaiah goes on to say that a baby is going to be born in Ahaz's lifetime. And by the time the baby is able to eat soft foods, curds and honey, he says, Ahaz will eat his own words. What does it take? Six months to a year for a baby to get off his mother's milk and be able to mush some food in his mouth. He's not ready for a sirloin yet, but he can at least eat cheese curds and a little bit of honey maybe. In that short amount of time, everyone will find out. In just a couple months, everyone will know that Ahaz should have just trusted God. In just six months to a year, everyone's going to find out that God's promises were true, that Ahaz didn't need to go to wicked kingdom Assyria for help, that he should have taken Isaiah at his word, and he didn't. The sign that was meant to be his comfort would mean his embarrassment. Because, brothers and sisters, God is going to do his thing. He's going to fulfill his promises whether we trust him or not. And if we trust him, then our trust will be vindicated. We will be shown to be in the right. But if we don't trust him, he's still going to do his thing, and we will be embarrassed. It will be to our humiliation. And there will come a, a point when we realize we should have trusted him all along. But is that the motivation we need to trust in God more? That's not all Isaiah has to say. That's not all that this prophecy means to you and me, to just beat on our consciences. Why don't you trust God? What are you scared to trust in God? Because maybe your answer to that question is yes. I am scared to trust in God. How do I know it's going to be worth it to put my whole heart in his hands, to lean on God in my weakest, darkest moments? How do I know it's going to be worth it to take that dive to to stop trusting in my own powers, in my own devices, in my own solutions to my problems, and to put my trust fully in God? How do I know that's worth it? Well, Isaiah gives us an answer. And the answer is found in how familiar his words are to you and me. If you've grown up in the church, you've heard this prophecy right around Christmas time quite a bit. You heard it, what, four times in the service already? The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll call him Emmanuel. 
This is what we call one of those prophecies in the Old Testament that have uh, an immediate fulfillment in Isaiah's lifetime, but a greater fulfillment, 725 years after King Ahaz. You know, sometimes you can kind of feel bad for pregnant women, not only because of the things that they have to go through physically, but because there are certain assumptions that can be made about their private life based on just what you can see. And that's what Joseph, that's Joseph's logic, isn't it? He finds out that his fiancée, Mary, is pregnant. And what does Joseph do? What conclusions does Joseph draw? The same conclusions any of us would have. That certain precipitating factors have been met. And those are factors and conditions that should not be met when you're engaged to someone, right? So Joseph, we would say very rightly, feels betrayed, he feels hurt, and he plans on doing something that is fully within his rights to do. At least as far as we understand the situation, he plans on divorcing Mary, quietly though. But, not only, but he finds out that this baby is conceived by means that go against even our own natural knowledge of biology. That's the definition of a miracle. Every time a baby is born, I was there for the births of both of my sons, so I'm speaking on experience. It feels a bit mir miraculous, doesn't it? So amazing that life is happening right there, that you see a person entering the world. It's so amazing, but it is within the, the realm of the normal. Babies are born every day, but it, it fits in with what we know about biology, but this baby would be born as a result of miraculous intervention. God himself, who, placed the, who set those rules in place, the rules of biology, would break his own rules. Why? So that we would know how special and significant this particular baby is, who would have no human father in a physical way, but would be sent from God. This is not just God breaking the rules and doing miracles because he feels like flexing on us. No, this is so that we would look at this baby and see what this baby represents expressed in his name that Isaiah spoke. Emmanuel, which Matthew explains means God with us. Three short but powerful, beautiful words. God with us could be the most important sentence you'll hear all day. God, the almighty, powerful, eternal, glorious God, who is justice, who punishes sin, who, is, who has wrath and rage against sinners, chooses to dwell with us, alongside us, chooses to be on our team, on our side, chooses to take up our case, chooses to address the problem in our relationship known as our sin. Us, us wicked sinners who rebelled against God, who don't deserve anything from him, but here he is choosing to dwell among us. That's your sign. That's your sign that Jesus, that you are okay with God. That's your sign that everything is going to be all right. Because Jesus was born Emmanuel, this most special baby 
Most special birth because he's the most special person. He's God in human flesh. Why? To be with us. To fight for us. To forgive our sins. That baby in the manger is so special because of what he was going to do when he grew up. He died on a cross. He rose from a grave to guarantee once and for all that forever God is with us. And he has connected you to that forgiveness, to that gospel through faith, so that God is always with you. He dwells in your heart through faith, and he nurtures your relationship with him through word and sacrament. That's how you know God is worth trusting. That's how you know you are safe putting your whole heart in his hands. That's how you know he's more He's wiser, more powerful, or more capable of making things work out in the end than you and I are, because God with us. That's also your sign that when you come up for communion in a couple minutes, that you are receiving the true body and blood of Christ. You can take him at his word. You can take him at his word that he is forgiving your sins. That's how you know that, that folding your hands to pray to God when you are stressed, when you are guilty, when you are anxious, when you don't know what to do next, is exactly the right thing to do because God up in heaven loves you and will hear your prayers. That's how you know that when you're feeling low self-esteem or anxious or insecure, your baptism is the first place you should go to remember how loved you are and who you are in Christ. And that the Bible is the first place we should go when searching for direction and for comfort as we sojourn through this life. And the sign that you can trust God, the sign that you can take him at his word, the sign that he is on your side and that he loves you was born and placed in the manger, as we'll celebrate this weekend. So, this weekend, come and celebrate with us that God is with us. Amen.